Support for SyncBook Radio comes from listeners like you. Consider helping to make independent productions like SyncBook Radio possible by becoming a donor. Your generous gift helps to keep these unique voices broadcasting and exploring. Details about how you can help can be found at thesyncbook.com slash donate. Thanks. Dr. Monotov? Donnie? Um, I, I know this is gonna sound kind of weird, but, uh, do you know anything about, um, time travel? Ah, a wormhole with an Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is, theoretically, a wormhole in space controlled by man. So, according to Hawking, a wormhole may be able to provide a shortcut for jumping between two distant regions of space-time. So in order to travel back in time, you have to have a big spaceship or something that can travel faster than the speed of light? Theoretically. And be able to find one of these wormholes. The basic principles of time travel are there. You've got your vessel and your portal. And your vessel could be just about anything, most likely a spacecraft. Like a DeLorean? Metal craft of any kind. <laughs> you know, I love that movie. The way they shot it. It's, uh, like futuristic, you know? Listen, don't tell anybody that I gave you this. The woman who wrote this used to teach her. She was a nun many years before that, but overnight she just became this entirely different person. She up and left the church and wrote this book. She started teaching science right here at Middlesex. The philosophy of time travel. Roberto Sparrow? That's right. Roberta Sparrow. Roberta Sparrow. Grandma Death. Hello and welcome. I'm William Morgan and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. It's a weekly conversation by the interesting thinkers. What? It's an interesting conversation with the interesting thinkers and sinkers of our no, day. No, 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 It's a weekly conversation instead of with the interesting thinkers and sinkers of our day. It's a weekly conversation. By the ingesting? That's uh, autocorrect. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's a weekly conversation by the interesting thinkers and sinkers of our day. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, October 18th, 2016. On this day in 2011, Douglas Bowles and I began a conversation. And it's still going. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm all right, my man. How are you? It's loud in my house tonight. so i guess i can start off with a couple of things first congratulations on five years you've worked very hard douglas and i appreciate all of that hard work it's been a fun ride thank you um now though to be in the now yeah uh, you just had an interesting conversation with the director of the movie synchronicity yes And do you see that, like, the movie itself, 
for those who haven't seen it, kind of takes on the idea of time travel. Isn't it weird how that's the theme right now? Like, we didn't, again, we didn't plan this. Uh, it was like, okay, our anniversary is coming up. Let's go back and see where we started. And we started with time travel. And that's kind of the theme that's happening right now. Well, it's it's kind of always been happening, wouldn't you say? Well, it's definitely it definitely captures our imagination, doesn't it? Well, Donnie Darko, I mean, obviously there's the DeLorean reference. Yeah. Back and to the future, then, yeah. Back to the future. But also there's a lot of weird things going on. I mean, one of our biggest guests or probably most successful sinkheads was Joe Alexander about Back to the Future. And of course, Jake did a whole piece on time travel himself. So what exactly does synchronicity have to do with time travel? Something. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's interesting. I mean, of course, you put up the first 42 minutes and we got to listen to it recently. It's at the top of the 42 minutes page, of course. And I don't know, I was kind of dumbfounded that the the very first one kind of encapsulated a lot of the stuff that we talk about later, even though in this completely hither-thither type of way. Well, so that's something that when we started, I I didn't know you that well. I knew you pretty well, but I didn't know you that well. And I was curious about your sync practice, but I didn't have the language to express that question like i i was guessing about other people's like jake and jim's sync practice because i could see that basically they went to a lot of films and they spent money to go to because it's pop you know they worship the idea of pop and pop is what is arising and so they would go to these films and then they would blog about it but you know, I was curious about your own practice in that first episode to see, you know, because you started the episode with, uh, well, let's look at the movie posters. Well, I mean, to give my in the past self a little bit of credit, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know where else to start. <laughs> yeah, well, no, there was, and so, but it, I'm always trying to explain what the purpose is. So, like, the purpose of this is, you know, the intention. What is the intention of the activity? And it was kind of just to see what was arising. And I mean, for you, what is what is that? Like, what is that's the real question? What does your sync practice look like five years well, how, later? How does it differ from later? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, boy, man, I listening to that other podcast, boy, I was on the go, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> But see, at that time period, there was a lot built up. Let's see, I started looking around at shit in 2008, and that was, what, 2011? So that was some years later, with no voice, no social media, really. I mean, even that time, we did that show on our cell phones. Right, so that was done through a thing called TalkShoe. And we both called into a number, and it recorded it for us, and then posted it onto iTunes. Right. Which was it was free, and it was pretty slick, actually. But everything else, all the the bells and whistles, came later with Alan. For sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that I do. There's a lot of things that I don't. I do not necessarily as regularly. It's interesting because okay, so. 
top 10 box office if you go to M movie awards right now do you remember what happens when we're talking about trains and everything and we look at the posters towards the end of the show and i say well guess what's coming out recently as a man on a train or something like that as a donald sutherland uh-huh top 10 in the box office right now is the girl on the train oh time is a loop and i notice this every year and facebook is the thing that communicates this that we come around and we we're doing the same things every year. It's it's it sounds like a movie or a line from Cloud Atlas. Well, I mean, it's the book of change only has so many hexagrams, you know. Hmm. That makes me think of Man in the High Castle for some reason. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot going on. I just think it's interesting. I just turned on Imp Movie Awards just right off the bat, and that's the first thing that I see. But there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, man. There's a lot of weird psychic weather heading. Psychic in our weather, right? That's something that we kind of is the only way we could uh, explain emotions in sync. You know, we saw people behaving in similar fashions, and some social media is a, a nice way of <laughs> monitoring the social weather. You could see people flipping out. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, are all we doing is talking about the weather? That is a good question. Uh, I don't know. We're just <laughs> yammering nonstop. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. Like I was telling Alan not too long ago, I've been talking about this a lot lately, and I know it's something that has been said before, but it's almost like if you write a story or something and you put it away for a certain amount of time and then you go back to it, sometimes when you look at it, it's like it was written by another person. Yes. And if it's, by, if it's by you, you're like, how did that younger version of me, how, did, how is he so damn clever? Right, exactly. Man, I wish I was as smart as that guy. He really right. had, he had it all put together. <laughs> right. But, I mean, there's so many things that we do that we, ne we look, we kind of assume that we realize how it went down and how it made us feel and never go back to it. And I think that all of that yammering that's placed in 42 minutes and even more so and always record. I mean, it is yammering, but sometimes if you go back and you revisit, you're like, holy shit. Like there was all of these things that, you know, we already knew, but yet we forgot. And but then it's also, I mean, it's always also, forgetting too is the other thing. It's right. Like, how many nuggets can we hold on to? And then everything right. else drops away. Knowledge is fleeting, and knowledge really doesn't help you. <laughs> but there's, I mean, only there, the application of knowledge helps you. Yeah, and it seems like sometimes that, and that might be like the purpose of a good sync web is that, what a, you know, you create enough road marks or some kind of landmarks that you can navigate by in the loop. You know, it's like. You start spinning, and then you realize, oh, I've done this before, and that'll lead me to here. And then you have, a, like, a touchstone that you understand, you know? Well, I wonder how your view on all of this has changed. Ah. Uh... Because you're, like, 
books passed. You know what I mean? You you've had books come out. Oh, go away. And there's uh, how many years have I been a member of your reading club? I mean, come on. There's been a lot of stuff. Like th- th- that's the biggest change to me is how much we've learned and been taught from our guest and and everybody. You know, when we first started it out, the first show was just you and I, and then all of the after well, a while. It's funny because in the first show, I said rant. we'll add some people, you know, to ex- expand the conversation. You know, we'll have in, we'll invite guests. You know, so we really didn't have any idea what we're doing, but at the same no. time, it's all there in the first episode. Right. Well, I mean, my point is, is like that first episode is a, y- a lot of yammering or whatnot. Oh, I I gotta get to say something. <laughs> um, but you know, we quickly learned that you don't get to say a lot when you've studied and studied and studied for an individual, and then you get to interview them. It's like strategic questions, and then step out of the way. Yeah, I I feel like I've become too loose. I don't I don't know, but maybe that's good because it's hard to know. It's hard to know how to approach something. And so there was a period of time when I was definitely writing down, like I was plotting the course of the interview. And so I would have an outline of where I wanted to go, but the pieces were all uh, modular. And so I, I could plug them into different slots. And so I wasn't going to hold on to it and try and control it. I was going to let it go where it went. But I always had kind of a direction to go. And anymore, I have just a weird sheet of paper in front of me with a lot of different words jotted down. And there's no questions. And it's really just usually I have the first question and that kind of jumps us off the cliff. And then I hope that I can just hold on. And I don't know. It seems like... Yeah, (laughs) I may have... It may have... Well, I don't know either, Doug. (laughs) It may have been... There's a balance there for sure. Well, I just don't feel as rushed as I used to. And back when we first started the, started this, I mean, back when Sync first grabbed hold of me, there was a different sense of urgency than there is now. And I don't know if that's just because I'm five years later or if that I've actually been able to get some stuff out. But I'll go back and read my old notes and see stuff on those little jotted pieces of paper that I'm like, oh, fuck, I, I completely had forgotten about. And before it was this sense of urgency, like if I don't get this stuff out there, then it will never be known. Mm. But the way that the the you know community has grown up, um, and even like the live events and stuff, there's a sense of oh wait, he sees what I see, or you say a little something and it's completed, or the thought is picked up by somebody else. You know, the first time that they've ever realized it, but it was something that you saw years ago. There's a there's less of a sense of ownership now and more of like an understanding that this is all something we share. However, <laughs> I think every generation thinks that they invent sex. Oh, my mm. God. What? Look at what we just figured out. Um, and that's the early days of sync is like we. We've found that you know we found Atlantis. We've discovered the the you know the Sorcerer's Stone, and I think now we 
after doing this for five years, we've come to the, oh, yeah, everyone, you know, <laughs> this is a party many people have come to over the years. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I do think that we're exploring new and interesting angles of this, and also from the standpoint that that science could be a way in if we're not too tightly wound, you know? Well, like I was saying, to me, after all this has been said and done, there's little to no doubt that we're messing around with something. But that's like saying we just realized the apple dropped. There's this whole other aspect of application. Like we said, there's something different different between like knowledge and wisdom, wisdom being the application of, of knowledge. So, yeah, I mean, we have a working knowledge of sync now. But how does that relate or how can we harness it is the main thing. It's like knowing that there is a wormhole. See, Jake Katza can talk about wormholes all he wants to, but there's yet to be one open up. <laughs> so either... Well, We're as close as we get is, is 9-11. Wormholes completely, but is it completely symbolical is what I'm asking, or symbolic is what I'm asking. Like, is a wormhole, or is there some way you can apply that other than just, like, some kind of useful psychic energy? I mean, are we dealing with practicality here? Or are well, so, we dealing- that's interesting. So, the movie Synchronicity, and I was trying to get this, out of, you know, say, so... The guy's going back in time, but what he's doing is, you know, chasing a girl. You know, is that is that what's worth writing about? It's like, what what is the hero quest? To invent sex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You asked. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. As far as like, it it crossed my mind. Everybody thinks that I'm fucking crazy. Because, okay, so it crossed my mind that, you know, the superhero, if we think along the lines of Jeffrey Kripal, who we've interviewed plenty of times on the show. Oh, man. uh, Wasn't that weird? In the first episode, you're talking about, you know, the guys being characters in the book. And that has been one of the major themes of the whole podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Waking up to the fact that you're a character in a story. Absolutely. Yeah. Bullseye. Absolutely. And then I was talking about the Damon. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it when I was talking about the Damon being an image of what your life is in totality. That was all James Hillman. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is, yeah. So I had just wrote, read The Soul's Code. As soon as I heard it, I was like, man, I must have just read The Soul's Code. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so yeah um, that's still a big deal for me it's f- funny I'm a little bit reluctant to even say that I'm doing this but I've been trying I've been writing a lot more lately and like you said like when you know where you're going on these old posts and stuff like that that's the way that I've learned about writing it's kind of taking a hint from Stephen King, and he said something along the lines of figure out who your characters are, figure out what situation you want to put them in, and then put them in there and see how they fucking figure it out. Um, and I've been noticing that that's a lot of 
Like, you know, okay, so if you're writing a story or whatever, you're just like, the next part of this story is this this person, this character needs to tell this guy this little piece of information. So you know what he's going to, what he needs to give that other guy. But trying to write that down, it always takes on this life of its own. Where they get to where you want them to go, but you're like, damn, I had no idea he was going to say that. Mm-hmm. Now, you've written quite a bit. Do you get the same experience? It's so funny because writing is so much more work than it really seems like it should be. It really does. Then, then when people when people imagine themselves writing, it's not nearly Well, like <laughs> when, you, when we're sitting here criticizing, oh, it's a pretty good book, but you can tell that it's not – you know, it's not that great, but it is so much better than anything, like, until you've actually written something and realize how, like, it's so easy to criticize Stephen King, is what I'm saying, but, you know, he is just, he, this stuff comes out of him, and he's so good. Even though he's bad, he's so good. Well, I think he's getting, I, I've noticed that he's been getting better, because, I mean, if you go back and you read, like, The Gunslinger, we were talking about The Gunslinger in the last episode. If you go back and you read the first one, it's completely just all over the place. And then after his accidents, things get a lot more precise. Mm. And, and almost in the last book, it wonders a lot, but it wonders in this very purposeful manner. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to let you get there. You're going to hate me by the end of this book. And you do. Like, the last book is a journey in itself. It's a huge, thick, damn book. Like, Songs of Susanna is really easy to get through. But All right, so John McGuire asked me a question the other day, and I didn't respond. Sorry, John. He was wondering if I really wrote Winter's Labyrinth longhand, and the answer is yes, because at that point in time it made the most sense to just... Uh, I, the the place that I had time, a notebook was the only way that I was going to be able to utilize that time. But I think for me, composing makes more sense with two hands at a keyboard. I'm I'm wondering, are you writing on a computer or can you? I think kids today can write on their phones. I cannot do it. I hate. I can't stand that. Like my 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 daughter does her homework on her phone writing a term paper on your phone seems like torture to me well it seems also like there would be a shit ton of mistakes like it would almost not be worth doing because you would have to go back like i would have to go back and see it on a bigger screen that's why i yell at her she's like doing her homework i was like have you done your homework yet get off of netflix what does she do she turns the tv off and she starts going on her phone i'm like not snapchat homework and she's like, I'm doing my homework. I'm right. like, what the? Like, I bought you a tablet. Use the damn tablet. <laughs> yeah. No. It doesn't work that way. So how are you writing? Know. Are you writing on your computer? or? I'm embarrassed to tell you how I'm writing. Because I don't have... I don't have Microsoft Office. So I go into my email. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> I pull up a draft and... I go to town. But like you said, there's a lot of work involved because at first you're just like, I got to get this idea out. And that's like probably the most frustrating thing with me is I've got all of these ideas turning away, all of this knowledge, but I have a problem with the spigot 
You know what I mean? It's funny because I think Slavoj Zizek or Zizek, the Eastern European philosopher, he has the same problem. So he's got to trick himself into writing. He's written many books the same way that you're describing. Where he has like, to, how? like in an email situation where you kind of have to trick yourself to turn it on, and then all of a sudden you're in the thing, and then you can actually execute. But there's always a reason why you can't get. Yeah, in. but the execution is sloppy. Like I've gone back and I've written all this stuff and this stuff and this stuff and blah 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 blah, and I'm like, oh man, that felt great. And then you go back and you look at it, and it's good. Like the the emotion is there. Do you get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I remember when I wrote my piece for Sync Book. Uh, the sync book one, like it was in a total, I was in a total emotional state. Um, I wrote it in one sitting. I watched the movie. I got the idea. The whole thing was there and I started writing. And by the time I had finished, there was a point where I was like, shit was coming out of my face into the sink. Like it was an emotional response, but it was all in one sitting. But then you go back and you're like, well, okay, that's misspelled. Uh, that sentence doesn't make any sense. Uh, this character needs to say something different here. There's like all of these things that are wrong. But that's the easy part. Like, like I don't know. There's something when you're creating the universe that that is that's the hard part. When it's just you and the page, and I mean, because it's more than just. There's, there really is. It's, it's with all that art, creative arts, you know, whether it's music or painting or anything. It's that when you, it, it's almost this breaking through metaphysically to some other place. When you, it's, it's the, it's the daemon or the genie again, where you're letting something come through you. Well, that's the thing, though. With when I was talking about the daemon earlier, and I said it's an image or a whole, like, it's like the completed idea of the end product at the very inception of it. And you can see that in and of itself as far as the podcast goes. Like there's all of these elements that penetrate throughout the entirety as if it was like that holographic seeing, you know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like yeah. the, the, the part has the whole the embedded seed, in it. Right. So you've accused me of fatalist, and I've thrown oh, it in Oh, so face. many times, and then so you mentioned in the first episode, <laughs> you, it's like destiny. You're in a train. You can't get off the track, you know? <laughs> but now, I mean, five years later, it's easy to see it as a train, don't you think? Oh. Huh. I mean, That's here, so... <laughs> once, once we're at the destination. There's no destination. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, no. It's a stop. You don't have to call it a destination. You can oh, call it a stop. Because when it's all said and done, it's still a loop. <laughs> uh, so you have such a problem with this. But that's because... That's so interesting. It is. And I do. Because I don't want... I don't know. There's something weird about that. Where I want to have agency. You want to have freedom. Agency. You do. You want to have agency. But you don't. <laughs> trust, trust me, you don't. And it's not like I made a wrong turn today and looped back around and pulled up behind the car and it said like 427 on it. And I was like, oh, well, the car was waiting on me. Like the wrong turn was okay. 
And it's not necessarily that I was supposed to make that wrong turn. It's just that the universe allows you a little bit of breathe room. Like, it's the same thing as if you throw a stone in a river. It doesn't go straight down to the bottom, although the bottom is the final destination. The rock kind of gets pulled a little bit to the right and then pulled a little bit to the left and pulled a little bit to the right, but it's going to make it to the bottom no matter what. And, I mean, can you really deny that, you know, we made it for five years? Or is it choices? Were there choices that we made to make it to the five years? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't I don't see it that way. I think it was pretty much inevitable that we were going to find ourselves right here. In fact, it's a hundred a hundred percent that the chances we are going we were going to make it here because at this point in time we're here. So it had to be a hundred percent that it was going to happen. All right. So, but now would be the time to try and remember back and to see if if any of the breadcrumbs you found you could see your fingerprints on them because you were leaving leaving the the time loop clues the time you know you could see the time machine exhaust or something ah well that's a little bit to the movie synchronicity for me <laughs> <laughs> Which because was, that's that's a horror movie. I mean, that's a. It's interesting because to me it resembled a lot like, it resembled like RoboCop. You know what was more fascinating to me than anything about that though was not the fact. I mean, so his film Synchronicity, I I really enjoyed it, and I didn't have any context when I watched it, and I I liked it, and then when I was going to the. Uh, the Olympia Sync Summit, that's the thing that David Plate and I discussed because I had just watched it. And he said, I watched that, I liked it, and we talked about it. Um, but the the weird sync out of the whole thing to me was the fact that he directed that Broken Bells video that had Christina Hendricks in it from Mad Men. And oh, shit. Wait, first off, I love Broken Bells. Right. I didn't know you were a fan. Fucking kudos. Second, is that the one with the planet? Yeah. I think that's the one with the planet, and you know that's crazy because the planet is like Jupiter, basically. It's even like two right. B one two or exactly, right. And yeah. so I I posted that still on the sinkhole somewhere before. And the, but the the really interesting thing is, so I at one point in time I did a post on the sinkhole. Alan commented on that post. We didn't know Alan then. You know, here's this guy commenting on the blog. He comments on it with the George, <laughs> right? He comments on it with the George Harrison song that expresses exactly how that video it was expressing to me that kind of, you know, wanting to get some of that yearning to be, you know, it's the yearning for the idea of something and the the true cost of what it would be to get there. And then after I posted the video, then you said this place kicks ass. So it's like <laughs> You know, again, here's this time, this time thing where you go back, because that's like, that's 2009 or 2010 that we're mm. playing that game, and we mm -hmm. we barely know each other then, but it's like we're already in sync. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same notions over and over and over. Like you said, we're like fucking remembering shit and whatever. Like, there's been quite a few times where I've had the same insight. And every time I've had the insight, I'm like, oh, shit, that's the greatest thing ever. And then I'll go back and I like had it written down on a piece of paper before. Oh, it's like the movie Inception. 
you know, do you want to die old men forgetting what it was like to be alive or whatever he says. Because right? none of this shit really matters. I mean, when you cut it down, it's all... I mean, basically, it's tools for other people to have the same insight. Like, somebody else is going to come along and need that at that specific time. And that's what it's there for. Perhaps. Yeah. I no, mean, I think, I think, I think so. I mean, so, like, every now and again, I think that this is kind of like a weird version of, like, Fate Magazine or, you know, any of those weird little AM radio networks that used to put out weird shit that people would kind of... It's like people need something. You know, there's there's a bunch of folks that speak this language, and they just need... It's the lens. That... Well, okay, so, like, Philip K. Dick said, it is like, all... All media has information in it. I mean, that's what it's supposed to do is relay information. Bottom line, right? So, of course, and, you know, with, uh, what's his name? William S. Burroughs, there was this one time where the person comes up and says, you know, hey, it, when I'm walking down the street and I hear people say my name and I turn around and I, I hear people talking and I think it's always about me. And he says something along the lines of, well, of course it has to do with you. You're the one hearing it. And then that's, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. I don't think any of us know this because we're wandering around in this, this realm that feels completely purposeless. But there is a destination point. There has to be. <laughs> there has to be. If a, person, if a person is buried, then they have a destination in life. So as soon as they're born, they're on their way there. Oh, yeah, so... Born to die. Pretty much. Or you, you, like you can look at it different. I mean, it's so fin final, but it's not like that. I think that that probably is what you have. Uh, like you, you, you don't like that idea. Me? Because well, I don't think you do. I don't think you have a fatalist idea. I don't want you to. I, I think that, <laughs> I think you, I think in a way you don't want to think about death, I guess. Or to you, it is. It has to do with death. To you, it has to do with some finality. Like, that's it. That's all she wrote. It's done. You but know, that's not what a life is. What a life is is everything that happens in between. Huh. See, I've thought about this. There was a, something else that somebody said. I can't remember if it was on 42 Minutes or if it was on Always Record. I think it was on Always Record where somebody was like, everybody's wondering, you know, what was going on. I remember when I turned in my portfolio to the art college. And they were like, what was going through your head when you made this to one of my abstract pieces? And I was like, I had to get it done. And then there was something else that somebody said on one of the 42 Minutes or I'll Always Record. It was like, everybody's wondering what's going through the artist's head, but it really doesn't matter. He might have been thinking, you know, he might have been thinking about paying the bills or his girlfriend's boob or something. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think a big problem that I've had is every video I tried to make, every song I had to make, every every post I ever wrote, it would get to this point where it was like, this has to be the best post ever. This has to be the best product that I've ever made. And then somewhere in, in there, I realized it wasn't, and then I like self-destructed the thing. Like I would intentionally... Oh, leave. that's interesting, because oftentimes a lot of people do that after it's done. So, like, there's this moment where you still believe that you've written the great American whatever. Right. And then you still believe 
for a while and then you realize eh, it's okay but then I think the magic is that you need to just do that every day like well the thing the thing that I've realized is and you then do five years the later with... all of a sudden you're like yeah. pretty good at something like, well you're well, almost to the point pro- where maybe you'll get paid to do you know it's like I like yeah, that. I, I, I get you. I get you. I get you. But everybody's hoping to write the best thing that will get them paid when all they really have to do is produce. See, the thing is, is like this whole getting paid thing gets in our fucking way. The whole making a living thing gets in, gets in the way of people actually doing what they are inspired to do, the bliss that they want to follow or the calling that they have. I mean, all you have to do is have a calling to do something. Now, once you have the calling, like I was talking to Andras about this the other day. I was like, you know what? When you score a touchdown in the NFL, the probability of you scoring another touchdown goes up. And then that, that's how, like, that's it's how It's the Vegas same thing works. with the DUI. <laughs> yeah, well, actually it is, isn't it? Yeah. You're, or, very, or, you're or, more likely to get a second DUI after you get your first. Well, let's like push it one step closer. How about people who go to the penitentiary? They're more likely to go back, aren't they? This is not, I repeat, not fatalist. This is <laughs> no, it's a, it's a probability thing that once you no, do something yeah. one time, the probability for you having that same event happen again goes up. Now, once you're aware of that pattern, you are free to fucking break it. However, it all has to do with probabilities. So once you make a great piece of artwork, the probability of you making another great piece of artwork goes up. Right. And then if if the point isn't to make – I mean it's like – so like it's so funny because in the first episode I was trying to – you know, what I'm curious about is practice. What is your practice? And a practice is how you engage with the universe. And that's all we've been talking about. We've been meeting with the interesting thinkers and sinkers of our day, and I'm asking them what their practice is because I'm curious about if you practice how you engage with the the world, the the result is it tends to be art. You know, Jake makes these videos. He's not doing it because anyone's giving him money or he's getting acclaim. He's just he can't help but make his his sync videos. Alan does all these crazy projects that are so incredible, and then he does something else. You know, he works in these really interesting bursts, and that's kind of like how he's inspired and called and what he does. And then, so we talk to authors and uh, people who are making film, and it's 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 uh, it's an interesting thing. I think maybe my practice might partially be. Asking people what their practice is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You have an energy about you. You have a – there's a certain cleanness to your style. And so I think that that has a lot to do with what we're talking about as well. Like an individual they, – they have – okay, so certain people are good at balancing checkbooks. You know what I mean? Certain people are good at initiating conversations. Certain people are good at making jokes. Certain people are, are good at performing in front of people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, these have to do, like, have you ever read the Celestine Prophecy? Yeah. I've tried to get that guy for years. 
for fucking years because the more like I read the first couple of uh, insights, the more I'm like, holy shit, man, that is what we are dealing with. Hmm. I haven't I haven't read it for, for a long time, but well, I mean, basically the first insight is synchronicity. Bottom line. But he talks about how like everybody in your family has come together to make you who you are and all of these experiences so you can be part of a bigger group to, you know, accomplish certain goals. So like teams of mutants or superheroes. I never even said what I was like. Um, I can't even remember when we were talking about sex. <laughs> were we talking about that before the show? Or we were talking about superheroes and stuff. I'm sorry, I'm digressing. But um I don't know. I'm thinking about Kripal now for some reason. My mind jumped. Hmm. All right, well so we're Su- just superheroes. Okay, I thought I had this idea that superheroes their secret identity their secret identities have to do with sex. So their superpowers are I don't mean to say that sex is the only thing. I just think that the generation of man is his main claim to creation. Creation being the ultimate superpower. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which so, is what we're talking about with creating art and why it's so hard. Right. Because- art, is, art is very sexual. Yeah, almost all are. I remember having this conversation in high school where I, I was sitting across the table at this dude in art class. He's a little bit too smart for his own good, and he goes, "My theory is that all artists draw phallic symbols." <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like it's true to a certain extent. Like. So the superhero, the Clark Kent, is your normal everyday guy who goes to work and every day. But when he, you know, has his girlfriend in trouble, he's Superman. And that might have to do with why all of these time travel movies have to do with, like, finding the girl. Because it's always about the procreation or the appropriation. Appropriation of the race, like, the, the generation, like, the continuance. I mean, that's where your main superpower lies. So their secret identity is hiding your sexual identity. So that's why, like, Spider-Man in that one, which was it, Spider-Man 2 or whatever, he loses his spider webs, which is what Kripal pointed out. He, you know, which is this white liquid that comes from his wrist, which is when, when, his, when his girlfriend is getting married to another person, he loses his superpower. He forgets how to love. Hmm. Which is, you know, the web symbolizes the... uh, Sure, sure, yeah. Right, right. But I think that people are... I think that our culture has a lot of prudency as far as sex goes still. And so when you say something like that, you say, you know a secret identity hides the sexual identity, then a lot of people automatically stand up and have a problem with it. Or they, they spit off all this intellectual stuff without ever thinking about what the actual insight is. So, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like with the Rodney Asher uh, per- sleep paralysis thing, to me that has a lot to do with sexual energy. 
the Oregon stuff has been very important to me because I've actually seen benefits in that after practice. You know what I think? I think that there are times when our filters are too thin. Like, it's this weird... I always compare it to, like, our spacesuit. And then I also sometimes digress and, you know, it's the ego is all up in that, too, because... The ego is kind of like your spacesuit, your person spacesuit. You you kind of you need a a good spacesuit to move through this crazy world of ours. But back to the idea of the thin filter. It's like when you're young, you let all this stuff through, and it definitely. I mean, there's more. What is the Shakespeare? There's more to heaven and earth than is in your. Or dreamt about in your philosophy. Yeah. All right, so but in in our philosophy, forty two minutes is likely up. <laughs> <laughs> after starting three times, after five years, we had the worst intro. <laughs> well, what is the joke? We'll clean it Not up. The worst intro, but we had to start it up like three times. We'll clean it up in post production. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have done that on the first one. <laughs> well, you know, you can always... That's the time machine, Will. I, uh... <laughs> you can fix it afterwards? I did. You I can, took out the, the about three minutes. In post-production. In post-production, <laughs> I took about three to four minutes of awkward pauses out of episode number one. <laughs> we sound so much smarter. <laughs> it has been tampered with. Holy shit. Uh, oh, man. All right, so... As far as uh, <laughs> expectation, I'm I'm gonna keep on the train and just see where it takes me. But do you have any like I will now that you remind me, I'll try and get Celestine Prophecy guy again. I you know I this... think if we come at him the right way, he'll understand because. But so... look, man, we've been, I've been doing this for a while, and like people are I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to realize how much I've like forgotten about. Because somebody, it was cool, you put up this show, and the same day, somebody tagged me with, dude, it was great hearing your first show. It was like, it was weird hearing you when you first started this, because you're, you're, you're so different, but the same, you know? Huh. Um, and I am, in a lot of ways. I still watch a lot of movies. I still, you know, categorize, I mean, I, I haven't put any work up on Few Shots to Shaman, and everybody thinks that I'm not making videos yet, or anymore, but... You know, I've made like the last six or seven friggin' Radio 8 Ball videos. And even those, those were only like sync shorts. They were only like five, ten minutes long. Like, uh, I did a lot of research for each one of those friggin' actors. And there's been a lot of actors that I researched that I never had contact about or never put up on Twitter or never said anything about. And then when people like come and start talking about certain individuals, I'm like, oh yeah, well there's also this, 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 and this. Like I did that that work with Vigo Mortensen, and for a while there I went off on an Ed Harris tangent. And I guess Westward, Western World, what is it called? It's called Westworld. Westworld just came out. And that's a trip because it's got uh, Ed As Harris. Ed, Ed, right. And he's a cowboy and he's a man in black, right? But I think not only that, he might be – it's the similar character that's in uh, The Truman Show where he's – 
Oh, maybe uh, he's not. Maybe that's uh, Anthony Hopkins is more of the... Well, if Anthony Hopkins... It doesn't matter because he's just reverse rolling. You know what I mean? He's just being another... He's like the... he Instead of being the architect, he's like an, a minion of the architect. But the man in black symbolism, I had a... I, I, in, in the Viggo Mortensen stuff, I had associated with a perfect mind. I had associated with that Western Appaloosa, which is a perfect representation of Westworld, I would imagine. And then there's like, uh, there was all kinds of them where it was all these, uh, what was it, the history of violence where he's a man in black? And so I had pinned it a couple of different times. And then this movie comes out where he's a cowboy and he's a man in black. And actual news people, like there's coverage about this movie being put out there talking about him as a man in black. I mean, you can't you can't make this shit up, man. I mean, it's like a fucking direct hit. And we had direct hit after direct hit after direct hit. I'm going back and watching Natalie Portman movies now that just came out that align perfectly with what I was talking about, you know, eight years ago. What the fuck is that, Doug? Like, <laughs> there, there's a within the sync community, there's a lot of information that could be useful down the road. Now, I'm I, to me, our next job is figuring out how to utilize that instead of just hopping on a soapbox and telling everybody I know the secret to life. Because we don't yet. All we figured out is like some kind of weird hydroelectrical power. Right, the apple fell. How do we fucking harness that? That's a good question. We'll have to save that for our uh, our next anniversary show. Oh God, you're making you're cutting it. You're the 42 uh, minutes. Here's the here's the thing. Who can you come up with? What who would be your biggest get? Like what would what would be? Goro Adachi and Wesley or Whitley Strieber. Goro Adachi, Whitley Strieber. Right now, like, oh, fuck, man. There's all of these different people who are on the peripheral. And I've done this my entire, like, sync career where it was like, well, I can make this video, this video, this video, this video, and this video. So I have, like, five videos out. Thing is, is when you think about that, none of those fucking videos get done. Do you know what I mean? So it's better just to say, cut all the other ones out. Just worry about Goro Adachi and worry about Whitley Strieber. Boom and boom. Right now, Goro Adachi is the one everybody needs to be thinking about because all of the shit that he's been saying for fucking years is starting to come true. And when you fucking get over all of the nonsense and the stigma that's been around Goro, you're going to realize that this guy has a big piece of the puzzle that's been there the whole time and that we've all needed. And I think that's the most important thing. This guy's never been interviewed. Never been interviewed. Never been interviewed. I don't even know if he's. I don't even know if he's ever even had a written interview, which I think that he would prefer to do. But I think that that's unacceptable. The guy's voice needs to be on the internet because he helped inspire all of this shit. And he's. It. The only reason he's not getting known is because people are fucking lazy. I think that's a. It's a disaster. It's a fucking disaster. Not the fact that people who haven't asked him to be interviewed. They have. We have. Of course they have. Because he was in Sync Book One. Uh, I think he might be like the only person that we didn't talk to. Well, I think that we're in the perfect position to do it now. And I think that of all of the internet podcasts that are out there, I think that we have a good working relationship with this man that we could help him get done what he has a problem getting done. That's what our purpose is as far as this interview is concerned. And that's what I'm that's what I'm concentrating on because I got a lot of questions, not because I want to be the first to do it. 
but because it needs to be done. And because, like, I have a lot of fucking questions. I don't know if you do. I don't know how much time you've spent with Goro. Not much. I have a lot of questions that the the Winnipeg and the the kitchen sink and all of those other people on the outskirts of sink who say they know what the fuck's going on can't answer for me right now. And for me, I think Goro's got at least one of those answers. Now, Whitley Strieber, because the Jeffrey Kripal shit was so impactful for me, like, I got a lot of questions for that dude. I don't necessarily think that I want to sandbag his ass, but I got a lot of questions. Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us for five years. (laughs) (laughs) When you say it like that, you've been listening to 42 Minutes for the past five years, which is the production of the SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. Be sure and check out our archives at 42minutes.com, and please do this. Doug, what do you think, seriously, about just opening all of our archives for free for at least a short amount of time? Is that even possible? Can we do such a thing? I think Alan has an idea. Oh, that's interesting, because I have an idea, too. Here's uh, here's a question. So, all right, and this is a number of can of worms. Um, for whatever reason, all of our stuff on the internet, if you Google synchronicity, we don't come up, which it boggles my mind. And I think Guillaume is working on this now, so that, I mean, when you when you type us in on Amazon, when you type us in on, because everything is sync with us, sync, and sync is too universal, like there's too many loud sync voices, because sync is such a, it's such a ubiquitous term, we don't get we don't get hits and so if someone's searching synchronicity they cannot find us and that's not acceptable because people searching synchronicity want it, they should be able to find us but anyway all that <laughs> that being said this is my Larry David joke um, have you read Carl Jung's synchronicity yeah you did yeah of course like you did times. yeah <laughs> of course you did Alan and I have never read it really yeah isn't that crazy that's absurd april get him april get him (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) but i realize there's no good audio version of synchronicity and so i've decided because that thing's got like flow charts and stuff you don't understand it's a different kind of book okay so maybe it can't be done first off i'm gonna tell you straightforward Freud books are a lot easier to read than young books. Bottom line. Well, I'm thinking about it as kind of a members project. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read Synchronicity. I'm gonna turn it into an Ooh. audiobook. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. Okay. That's, that's All right. my Doug project. Um. Oh, you know what? Before we go any further, I got a few questions to ask you. Yeah. Did you get through the Mothman prophecies? No, I've never read that. Didn't you get through the audiobook? I gave you the audiobook. No, you gave me. I gave you the audiobook. I don't, don't think so. No. Yes, 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 I did. I gave you communion. I gave you transformation, both by Whitley Strieber, and I gave you John Keel's Mothman prophecy. And if you didn't get them, I'll give them to yeah, you. Yes, you get it. Get them again. Yeah. Did you I, get? You didn't listen to. You haven't read any of those books. No, none of them. 
You haven't listened to any of those. Dude, I'm listening books. to so many books all the time. Okay, I get you. <laughs> but I was so excited to talk to you about those because I, you asked. You asked for those books Well, the, in preparation because, for the Kripal, Yeah. and I gave them to you. Yeah. And they are all super uber important to me. The, the keel is something that I'm definitely curious about. Oh, keel's a great... Keel, like... Robert Anton Wilson called Kill refreshing, and I agree wholeheartedly. Like, it really is a different. Like, it's not. He's not a great writer. He's not a very smart man. But there's something about him that's like refreshing. You take it and you're like, ah, that's good. I like that because it's a totally different take on what everybody else is saying, which is good without being, you know, a, contra- a contrarian. So, but why do you call that that trio of works the Mothman? Oh, I don't. That's the ones you asked for. You asked for Keel. You asked for Communion. Communion, and then I gave you Transformation too. Communion and Transformation are a trio. As if you include, I think maybe there's another one out there. I can't remember. There's a couple that I haven't read, but there's like the Visitor books. You know, Supernatural is about the visitors, Transformation is about the visitors, and Communion is the first book about the... the, And the way that, you know, uh, Secrets of the Illuminati, I think, is that what it's called? No, Cosmic Trigger is like the book about what happened after he made Illuminatus Trilogy, Transformation. Cosmic cosmic Trigger? Trigger. Yeah. Trigger. Those guys. Trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean... I'm kind of upset that you didn't listen to those. No, I was hoping because I was excited. I think that if you listen to those, you'll understand where I'm coming from a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For more information about the Sync Book, our guests, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a Sync Book Plus member. Oh yeah. Um, back to. I totally digress. <laughs> Alan Alan has been talking about making portions of the archive free because we want the audience to participate in a project that he's working on, which is going through scouring the archive right. to, to find the gems to create. I mean, he's back engineering a film. It sounds crazy to me. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's not how I would make a film. <laughs> Let's start. Let's oh, start smaller. <laughs> like, let's start with a five-minute film. No. We're gonna make the magnum opus, and we're gonna use the gems that I know might be in these different haystacks. We have, to, <laughs> we have to find the haystacks and see if there are any gems inside. Well, he gave me a call earlier today, and he was like, "Dude, I found so much shit interesting in that first podcast you guys did." I was like, there's 240 some odd. There's <laughs> well, actually that, more than that, isn't there? There's way what, more than that. So that's what's so funny about what we've done is because I was so tightly, I'm tightly wound. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> the first year we were doing a weekly show, and so I didn't want to deviate from the idea that we were doing 52 shows, right? Yeah. Uh. So every year we should have 52 shows, and uh. so. And that's why in some of those early years we did like 44A and 44B or whatever. (laughs) I know. I've talked about this with like uh, Alan when I'm trying to code shows 
and like the number of the, the number of the 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 number in the sequence of shows is different than the number that's actually you're putting on there and then there's like there's renegades and then there's bonuses and it's like bonus 65 episode 22 right exactly it's just and that's because well we can only have one episode a week it's like no you could have three episodes in one week in one you know right if you, i mean if i would you know if that's the main thing, man. I'd be doing this all the damn time if we were getting paid, but you can't. It's funny because the last show. So one of the things we do in the in the i with the iTunes meta information, the meta tags or whatever they call that goofiness, is we we are doing a counter so that and this was your complaint is that when you download it, there was no order. You would just they would show up in your phone and you had no way to organize it. You'd have to fucking search that shit down. Yeah. But so we put a track number in every episode and 42 minutes right. is up to track number 320. But I think some of those have been doubles. I'm almost sure of it. But 320 is what the track number says. That's what the track. So this, this, okay. The last episode was two, four, five. This is, this is two forty six. It might be 247 also. I 321? Mean, it, it, it could be 322. I bet you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Skull and bones. <laughs> Bra. Well, uh, I mean, 321 works too. Because of flight 21, for some reason, it's always a 123. Uh, and, dude, I just saw this the other day. I saw a brand new Twilight Zone that I had no idea. It was called The Arrival, and it's about a plane that shows up, and it has no passengers, no luggage, or nothing on the plane. So the guy goes out there, and he's doing this thing, trying to figure out when the plane came in, when did it leave, who was on it, and he's like, man, all the members on this, all the members of the crew and the passengers look familiar to me on the, on the list. And so one of the guys goes, man, it was kind of creepy going in there and seeing all of those blue chairs. So he's like, well, wait a minute. He goes inside the plane, he comes out, and he goes, those chairs are red. Another guy just goes, wait a minute, those chairs were brown. And then he goes to the wheel, the plane, uh, the, the tail of the plane, and he goes, what are those call numbers? And the guy pulls, calls out a bunch of numbers, and I swear every single one of them had like a 42 in it. And another guy goes to the plane, and he goes, no, those numbers say this. And he goes, we're looking at all a different plane. So long story short, like all of this stuff's going through and I'm like, well, there's no real reference to, you know, plane 23. It's not, it was like flight 17 is what it was called. And although it was like all kinds of wacky and crazy, it was just like, okay, there's like some definite overtures of this whole no plane theory, flight 21 disappearing flight shit. Well, later on in the show, like he's talking to this other guy. And right behind his head, when he turns around, there's like a one, two, three. And like passes his head. And I just freaked out. At that point, I was like, I thought the show was over. And it was like the last little bit. Dude, Twilight Zones are full of stuff. There was one that I watched the other day that was called Steel, about a guy who pretends to be a robot. Which almost, it looks like that movie with Hugh Jackman called Real Steel was basically lifted from this Twilight Zone and created as a whole two-hour movie. But it's cool because the guy's in the ring. He They have robot fighters, and his robot won't work because it's junk, so he hops in the ring and does it himself. Well, he gets 
the crap kicked out of him. And while his friend's carrying him away from the ring, it, the, the ring number is 42 in big letters. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, that just linked with all of this other shit. So I've been on a real, like, Twilight Zone kick because it has all of, like, the modern-day group of archetypes that everything that we have been messing around with, with year, for years has. And plus, the storytelling is so simple. But anyways, I digress. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archives, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audios, and video, as well as seasonal online hangouts with the host. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much. And did you just call me a fuck-ass? You can go suck a fuck. <laughs> that is such a Spielberg moment. I love that in Donnie Darko because it's just... Spielberg's family life is always full crazy, like E.T., where Drew Barrymore says... What does she say? Do you know what I'm saying? Where... where uh, penis breath? That's what he yeah. says. Shut your face, penis breath. And then, yeah, I don't know. Um, but and Drew, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Drew Barrymore does some kind of mimic of that, but then the, they do the same thing in Donnie Darko where where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal calls his actual sister a fuck-ass. <laughs> and then the, the little, what is the S. Darko? What is Donnie Darko's youngest sister, she says? What's a fuck ass? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Okay, time for bed. Absolutely, it's ten o'clock on the dot. I'm heading home. All right, so it looks to like my, I got hello three, four interviews to line up here. Fuck, man, this Sunday shit is hard. It's all right. Like, like go. Period. Like. I don't know if I'm just getting old, bat, and lazy. Yeah. But eight o'clock is late, dude. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I used to be up till like to midnight, one every night, but now I gotta wake up at like four forty-five. It's like a totally different ballgame. But listen, I just, I just don't want to be a part of your reading club anymore, man. That's a lot of fucking books. You're fine. Like there's. You're fine. There's there's so many books that you've given me, like Bye Bye Man and Technognosis and all of this shit that, like, because we're moving now, I'm having to pack all of them in book or boxes. You can sell them on eBay. I don't want to sell them. I want to fucking read them. You but don't have to. Or you can read no. them years from now. Right, I know. So I don't want to get oh. rid of them. But it's like I don't want them to pile up either. Like, there was that, there's that, I think it's a... Uh, Joseph Campbell book that's still in the wrapper, dog. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I wanted that show and they just they wouldn't play ball. It's in the wrapper. Like there's all of these. I like, haven't read the, that book either. I would I, never. You know, we, we talk about money, but there's a lot of things that have happened because of 42 minutes that I am very thankful about. For for instance, the artwork that has been sent to me. I have shit laying around me right now. Stuff by. Uh, ben Garay. Yeah. I got shit by Anaday. I got stuff by John, you know, Sousa. John Sousa. I, I got, I got, what else do I got? I got all kinds of shit, man. 
I got like pictures and shit. I got fucking artwork. I got, you know, Lauren Coleman sent me a goddamn Stein. Like, synchromistic of the year, man. Dude, I got all kinds of shit that I'm very thankful. Uh, oh, uh, Spazelli and Drew Spazelli. I got that. I I was packing up his his record that yeah. he he did this artwork for, and I'm like, damn. There's always these like. All of these books and all of this shit. Who cares? I had Who a nice. Ca- I had a nice moment with that guy. No way. I want to say I don't want people to take that wrong. It's not who cares that I got all this shit. It's like who cares that I'm not getting paid because these people oh, yeah. actually made something. They've given me like stuff yeah. to use. I think if you go back and listen, I'm always the one saying. You were always saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you don't." It's it's only until it's only when you're dead do the people realize that the value of what it was that the people you know it's like it's only after we're gone will they'll know how valuable all the information really was because then it will stop and when it stops you can stop and catch your breath and read all of these damn books and go back and listen to them and be like damn I forgot that was in that show but as long as you're making new shows Nobody gives a shit about the other stuff you made. However, it's like fucking making artwork or anything else like we were talking about earlier. You know, who gives a shit about what the artist is thinking about as long as he's producing? Hmm. No, because everything you make is going to be tagged with you. That's what Sync has taught me. It doesn't matter what movie Andras Jones makes. It's going to be tagged with his web do you get what i'm saying yeah so, i think most people are there like that was that was what we we're finding all with. you have to do is produce if you make a comic book if you make a song if you make a movie if you try to do anything it's going to be a product of you it's so freaking lao su simple taoist bullshit but there's a there's like a real huge insight there just like throw your hands up don't try to move the steering wheel because all, 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 <laughs> all right when we set it in motion one of the things matter. that i love we, that 42 minutes we, is doing the hardest all the hardest thing about 42 minutes was setting it in motion once we set it in motion it was inevitable that we'd come here that's what i'm saying the 42 minutes Seasonal Book Club about. is one of my favorite things. I, <laughs> I love the 42 Minutes Seasonal Book Club. And <laughs> it's funny because the book that everyone chose this time is so hard that people are falling off. It's like, oh, sorry, Doug. I don't think I could do this book. I know I voted for it, but I can't do it. It's too much. And so, like, I'm, I'm really nervous that no one's going to be able to do this show because it's too hard. And I'm listening to it, and it's like one of these books where you're just gritting your teeth and saying, oh, this is so brilliant, and I hate it so much. <laughs> it's like 48 hours of audio, and I'm, uh, I'm, I've am i got 17 more to go. But I hope, Dennis, please, Dennis, please hang on. Cause <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a book called Jacques the Fatalist by Diderot. Uh, okay. One of these, it's. It, I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen. We've got our 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 winter book is probably gonna be The Shining, and then our spring book is gonna be Ulysses. <laughs> can we can we have like a seasonal movie? That we... <laughs> movie club. 
Um, but when we do Jacques, when we do Jacques the Fatalist, you have to you have to be part of it because this is this is really <laughs> going to come at the crux of our division. I am so misunderstood. Because <laughs> that book is all about exactly what you're saying. You know, it's his. No, he, but he's Jacques the Fatalist. <laughs> all right, you got to go to bed. Yay. Yay. Because fatalistically, I got to wake my ass up and go to work tomorrow. I do too. I got to get up early. I don't want to get up early, but I have to go and. But. For all of you people listening out there, we are much more beneficial to you than we are our jobs. <laughs> so, become a SyncBook Plus member. <laughs> you know what bugs me? No, I'm not even going to say it. No, Man- Manly P. Hall and all those guys, I think it's – you really – so – if you're able to really convey your shtick well, and you and I don't have any shtick, that might be the problem. Like David, <laughs> David is starting to he's man. I was so impressed with that with his um, with his speech at uh, or his presentation at, in Olympia. Like <laughs> that's when you get the 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 little old ladies with the oil money. They're like, yes, I need to give you some money. I want to follow <laughs> you. You you know the wisdom. Right? No one's going to uh, give us any money. <laughs> it's not that I want money. It's just that I want to continue doing it. It's just not – It's. I mean there's a, there's a lot of time and effort. In the last years, for sure, it's been more you than me. But when we first started out, there was a lot of effort. And that's why I initially wanted this to be like a rotating host thing is so it's not so bogged down. I mean, I've enjoyed like taking certain shows off lately where it was like, well, I want to write this. Like for me, it's so much about focusing and getting what you have in your sights done before you're planning anything else like what we've been talking about. And so you know, that doesn't happen when you're spread out trying to read a book and do videos and everything like that. It's better not to oh, fuck man. I just don't understand. Like, There's... I don't understand how you ever got a book done. You know, I've been was reading the time. Other people's there was books. that time. It was 2012. There was, it, there was the zeitgeist. We were all like hopped up on transcendental juice or something. 